All right, with that, we'll go ahead and get going. Ephesians chapter number six. I want to pick up reading with verse number 10. Ephesians chapter six, picking up with verse number 10 for the preaching and teaching of God's word this morning. I am reading from the New American Standard Bible, but you follow along in your copy, whatever version of God's word that you have. Ephesians chapter six, verse number 10. My Bible reads this way. Finally. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the forces, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist on the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Let the church say amen. 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 You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. I have read you Ephesians chapter 6. Verses 10 through 13. I don't intend on keeping you too long this morning, but there is a word from the Lord. And we're going to go ahead and get to that word of the Lord. As the Holy Spirit will give me the ability this morning, I would like to preach from the subject, You Are at War. You are at war. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, once again, thank you for all that has taken place thus far. And Lord, we've come to the preaching hour. It's my prayer that you'll give me preaching power. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, fill me with your spirit. Lord, help me to be a blessing to these thy people, Lord. But Lord, most importantly, Lord, help me to be a blessing to you. Lord, this we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. You are at war. I am at war. You are at war. The church is at war. The quicker we come to terms with being in the throes of war, the better off we will be. Today we are in Ephesians chapter 6. Perhaps you may recall that Ephesians chapter 5 ended with Paul talking about spirit-filled spouses. And then chapter 6 begins by talking about parents and children. Then he shifts to Slaves and masters or employees and employers. It is apparent that at this juncture of the letter, Paul is focusing on common human relationships. And the overall point that Paul is making in this passage is that your head needs to be in the game. Your head needs to be in the game. You are in the body of Christ. You are the church. You are at war. 
It is a perpetual, ongoing war. When you're awake, you're at war. When you're sleeping, you're at war. You are at war. And moreover, Paul is making the point that the war is not against your fellow human beings, though it may appear that way. No, you are engaged in a spiritual war fought in the heavenly places. And that brings us to our subject passage, Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse number 10. The New American Standard Bible says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Sounds so nice, I'll say it twice. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Paul has said a lot of things all the way from Ephesians 1 to Ephesians chapter 6 where we're at today. Just recently, as I explained, he was talking about spirit-filled spouses. You're supposed to be spirit-filled spouses, but if you have been a spouse before or you've been around folks who are spouses with one another, or let's just be for real, you've been around folks who've been shacking up with one another so long, they might as well be spouses. You know, it, whatever the case may be, you know that relationships can be hard. So Paul starts with the spirit-filled spouses, and then he goes into the next most difficult relationship. He talks about the parents and the children. And then he goes into the, most, the next most dis- difficult relationship. On your job. So after talking about you and your spouse. After talking about the children. So after talking about the family and the home life. He goes to the place where you probably spend more time. At, and sometimes you get more peace there. Than you do at the house. And that's on the job. After saying all of that. In Ephesians chapter 6. Verse number 10, Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be strong in the Lord. In other words, you as a believer, you can be strengthened from a position of weakness. You can be strengthened if you become one and if you rely on the Lord. His power, his might. His strength. You can't do it on your own. Not your power. You don't have no real power on your own. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how big you are. How bad you think you are. It it, it don't matter. On your own, you don't have no real power. Be strong in the Lord. He has all power. Lean on the everlasting arms. At the end of the day, we are at our very best when we are one. With God. Therefore lean rather. On the everlasting arms. And that will help you to be strong. In the Lord. Verse number 11. Put on the full armor of God. So that you will be able to stand firm. Against the schemes of the devil. Here in verse number 11. Paul advises the Ephesians. To put on the, the full armor of God. And then he says, this is for a purpose. Paul advises the Ephesians to put on the full armor of God for this purpose. To be able to stand 
against the schemes, against the trickery, against the craftiness of the devil. If you want to stand and you want to stand firm, if you like me, I don't like nobody pushing me around. Matter of fact, let me just say it like this. You ain't going to be pushing me around. But if I think I'm going to stand a chance, then I better put on the full armor of God. And I'll advise you to do the same thing. Verse 12, we'll keep it moving. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. This verse is talking about spiritual warfare. And we are all engaged in spiritual warfare. Now, some pastors and preachers are of the belief, and let me go ahead and let the cat out the bag. Yes, I fall into this category. Some pastors and preachers are of the belief that all problems in the earthly realm begin in the spiritual realm. All problems, all, not just a few, not most, all problems that we experience that manifest themselves in the earthly realm, they have a spiritual origin. Pastor, what is spiritual warfare? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. Spiritual warfare, it's a theological term. And it's a theological term or it's church jargon that is used to describe the multi-level conflict between good and evil. The spiritual battle between the church and God's holy angels and Satan and his fallen angels. Too many times we, we see things depicted on TV as if it's God versus Satan. The devil is alive. That's a scheme of the devil right there. God spoke Satan into existence and he can speak him out of existence just like that. The battle is between the church, which is the redeemed people of God, the holy angels who minister on behalf of the redeemed people of God, and Satan and his fallen angels. Let me just say it this way. And there's a lot more that I could say about that, but, but I could preach a whole sermon on just verse 12 alone, and, and I'm not going to do that this morning. So let me try to sum up everything that I'm saying in verse number 12 with this one sentence. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, matter of fact, let me just stop right there. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, say amen. amen. If you believe in his finished work on the cross, say amen. Amen, amen and amen, because I'm amen on all of that. So if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross, then you are a member of his church and you are in this war, whether you realize it or not. And many times this war, it plays out in our relationships. Now, I, I want to give you a, an illustration of this. 
I want to give you an illustration of this, but you know what? I'm going to save it for somewhere else. I'm going to move on real quickly here to verse number 13. And don't worry, I'll, I'll give you that illustration. Moving on, verse 13. Verse 13 says, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist on the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Verse 13 is simply a reiteration or a reinforcement of what was already said in verse 11. And you know when somebody says something two times, you, you know, folks don't generally don't like repeating themselves. So if they say it a second time, it is something that they want you to pick up. You need to pick up what they're putting down. And Paul wants us to pick up that he's putting down that we got to take up the full armor of God if we're going to stand a chance at resisting the devil. That's the sum total of our verses this morning. We have three points, three points we want to get across this morning. I'll do my best to get them across quickly. We are talking about you are at war. You are at war. I am at war. We are at war. Three points I need to get across. If you're taking notes, write these down. If you're not taking notes, just listen intently. Point number one. You have to resist the enemy while at war. You have to resist the enemy while at war. I know some of you in here are military veterans. I am a military veteran. Even if you're not a military veteran, that's okay. I'm sure that you've been in a fight with somebody. Even if it ain't been physical. Because I, per- I-, I know one person in this room who ain't never been in a, a physical fight with nobody. I ain't going to look at them. But whether you've been in a physical fight or you've been in some verbal wars, whatever the case may be. You know that if you are going up against an enemy, the enemy is trying to take you out. And you are going to have to resist some things. You're going to have to put up with some things. So in verse 10, Paul tells the Ephesians to be strong in the Lord. And then in verses 11 and 13, the Ephesians are told to stand firm. So you got to be strong and you got to stand firm. The ideal is when you have an adversary, when you have an enemy who is craftier than you, who is smarter than you, who's been doing this longer than you, bigger, faster, stronger, you better do all you can to resist and withstand the enemy. Because if you don't, the enemy will devour you. This is not a game. We are at war. People die in war. You better be on your P's and Q's. 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 8 and 9 says, Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil. Not 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 your family. Not your friends. Not your church family. No, your adversary, the devil. Be a sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished 
by your brothers and sisters who are in the world. In other words, they're going through the same thing you're going through. And I know it's hard. To, I know it's hard for us to sometimes uh, wrap our head around that we're not at war with our fellow human being. I share a story with you this morning that, that happened this morning. Spiritual warfare at work, getting ready for church, making good time this morning. Next thing you know, some milk get knocked down. Somebody get an attitude. Somebody say something to somebody. Somebody don't like what was said to them, so they respond a certain way. And one or two things could have happened. Either it could have spiraled out of control. And next thing you know, you got World War III on your hands. Or you can do your best to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Listen, I don't like talking about Satan too much, but he's too powerful for us not to talk about him a little bit. So, so let me say this. Satan is not God. He don't know everything. He can't be everywhere all at the same time. Satan don't have all power. But what Satan does have, he has more physical ability than you. He has a better memory than us. He is more disciplined than us. And once you expose yourself once, who knows? He might pick up on it then. But like I said, he don't know everything. So maybe not the first time, maybe not the second time. But if you got the same weakness and it happened 27 times in one week, he's going to pick up on that eventually. And in my house this morning, it could have blew up just like that because there have been times where little issues turn into major issues. Next thing you know is World War III. I ain't talking to one another for five, six hours. And then I'm sitting there thinking to myself, how how we even get here? We were just laughing about, about 30 minutes ago, and now, now I need to go for a long ride and just, just go, I don't know, go buy something, go, go eat something, go do something. <laughs> Listen, you have to resist the enemy while at war. And your enemy is not. It's not your husband, it's not your wife, it ain't your children, it ain't them folks on your job, it ain't nobody in this church. Your enemy is the devil. You have to resist the enemy while at war. Point number two. You must prepare to be at war. You must prepare to be at war. Go back and look at verse number 12. Verse number 12 says... I'm sorry, verse 11. Verse 11 says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Put on the full armor of God. That's called making preparations. You, in other words, you got to dress the part. For some, for some of you, you're still in the workforce. For others, you would have been in the workforce. And whether that's working, and whether that's working on a, on a job outside the home or in the home, you had to make some preparations. 
to do your job. Because you are at war, you have to make preparations to do your job. And one preparation that you have to make, you got to get in the right gear. So once upon a time ago, I was in the United States Navy. And I was on this thing called the Damage Control Training Team. That's short for saying that if you're on a ship and it catch on fire, everybody becomes a firefighter. And so in the event that the ship catches on fire, there was a specific place that I was supposed to go. Every time I go to the same place, it don't matter that the fire over there. You go to your spot. Check your spot. Because if you're over here in this spot, you don't know what's going on in your spot. Because you can have things going on in multiple places all at the same time. And part of being prepared for war is not only having the right gear, but it's being at the right place at the right time. All of that is preparation. You got to be on the battlefield. Now, in this particular instance, you're on the battlefield whether you realize it or not. But as soon as you pick up that you're on the battlefield, if you ain't got your armor on, you better strap it on real quick. Because if you don't, the first time you take that gut shot, <laughs> it might take you out. First blow to them kidneys, <laughs> it might be shut down. You must prepare to be at war. Let me say it like this. It's one thing to be strong when you are at war. But it's another thing entirely to be prepared. You have to be prepared. If you're going to have any chance at resisting your enemy, who is the devil, not your husband, not your wife, not your children, not your friends, not the folks on your job, not nobody in this church. Your enemy is the devil. If you have any chance of resisting the enemy, you're going to have to get ready. You're going to have to be prepared. Or like we like to say at our house, stay ready so you don't got to get ready. Moving on, that was point number two. Point, point number two is you must prepare to be at war. Point number three, last point that I will make today. So we're talking about you are at war. You are at war. The person that you see in the mirror, that person is at war. So we're talking about you are at war. The first point was you have to resist the enemy. You have to resist the enemy while at war. The second point was you must prepare to be at war. The third point and the final point is you need spiritual weapons for a spiritual war waged against a spiritual enemy. Let me say it again. You need spiritual weapons for a spiritual war waged against a spiritual enemy. Once again, your enemy is the devil. Nobody else. Your enemy is the devil. And one of the schemes of the devil is making you think that everybody else is the problem rather than him being the problem and his cronies the fallen angels being the problem. Let's go back. Go back to the scriptures. Verse number 12. 
If you was to go back to the end of verse number 12, the last part of verse number 12 says, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Against the spiritual forces of wicked, of wickedness in the heavenly places. In other words, you and I are fighting a war against spiritual forces of wickedness. They are in. The war is waged in the spiritual realm. What is called the heavenly places here in Ephesians. Let me put some Bible with this. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 and 4. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 and 4 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage battle according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful. For the destruction of fortresses. I believe the King James, the New King James Version says, for the destruction of strongholds. In 2 Corinthians, what Paul is getting at, he is saying the same. He, he is, have you ever heard a saying that you can't take a knife to a gunfight? Don't take a knife to a gunfight. You can't take humanly weapons into a spiritually waged war. Let me say it like this. It don't matter how many AR-15s I got in my house. And I got more than one. It don't matter how many AR-15s I got in my house. It don't matter if I got all 30 rounds or if I got a drum of 100 rounds ready to let them go if I need to defend me and my family. When you are fighting a spiritual war against a spiritual enemy, your, 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 little, your little weapons here on earth are not going to get the job done. My earthly firepower is useless against a spiritual enemy. So, Pastor, what do we do then? I mean, I mean, it sounds like you're ready, Pastor. I mean, you got... See, like you got at least, at least two AR-15s, maybe three, I'm just saying. Probably got a few handguns, not to mention a few knives, might be packing right now, you don't know. Now the fact of the matter is... If you don't, if one doesn't know any better, they might think that I'm prepared. But I'm not. Not for the real enemy, who is the devil. So what do we do? Well, y'all know we've been, pre we've been preaching through the entire book of Ephesians. And I know y'all know this is in there already because y'all take time to go back and study and all that good jazz. You go on sermon audio and listen to all the messages and, and, and kind of brush up on all that stuff. So I know you know this is here already, but, 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 but for the folks who don't usually be here, I'll say it for them because I know y'all already know. If you was to go back all the way back to Ephesians chapter 1, all the way at verse number 3. Ephesians chapter number one, 
Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Did you catch that? I'm going to say it again. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Verse number 12, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, where we're at today, it tells us that the spiritual forces of wickedness is in the heavenly places. So at the end, we're told that the enemy is in the spiritual places. But in the beginning, we was already told that every blessing that we need is also in the heavenly places. In other words, if you have Jesus, you have everything that you need. If you have placed your faith in Jesus for salvation and the forgiveness of sins, then you have already won the victory. If you have confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, not only are you saved, but you instantly win the war. In other words, if you have Jesus, you have everything you need for the war. Not only do you have everything you need for the war, you already won the war. Because Jesus defeated Satan on the cross and then confirmed that victory with the resurrection. Let me put some Bible with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 56 and 57, read this way. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 56 and 57, read this way. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. If you have Jesus, you've already won the war. So you are fighting from a position of advantage because you are fighting a defeated enemy. But in the meantime, while you're still on this side of the living, it's just a matter of resisting the enemy. I'm, it, it, it's just a matter of resisting the enemy. Being sure to get prepared for the war. And remembering to take your spiritual weapons with you to fight the spiritual war against your spiritual enemy who is the devil. The third point and the final point is you need spiritual weapons for a spiritual war waged against a spiritual enemy. As I make my way to a close, I want to close by reminding you I want to close by reminding you that this passage of scripture, Ephesians chapter 6, and really back into the, the, latter person, the latter 
portion of Ephesians chapter 5 is talking about relationships. Starts with husband and wife, moves into the parents and children, then moves into employers and employees. Uh, as I close, I'm not preaching a, another passage of scripture, but I do want to paint one last final picture uh, as we make our close. And as I was thinking about doing this, I just thought about this passage of scripture that, uh, that, me, and, uh, that me and the family, we, we came across in our devotional time, and I'm going to go share it with you. Uh, that passage of scripture is from 2 Corinthians chapter 2. If, if you can get there, get there. If not, I'm going to go ahead and go as soon as I get ready. It comes from, uh, it comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 2. If you're there, you can pick up reading with me in verse number 6, and I'm going to take it down to about verse 11. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to explain it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6, New American Standard Bible says, Sufficient for such a person is this punishment, which was imposed by the majority. So that on the other hand, you should rather forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, such a person might be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. For to this end, I also wrote, so that I might put you to the test whether you are obedient in all things. But one whom you forgive anything, I also forgive for indeed what I have forgiven. If I have forgiven anything, I did so for your sakes in the presence of Christ. So that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan. For we are not ignorant of his schemes. If you're not picking up what I'm putting down, I'll give you a short version. Short version is this. Apparently, some man in the Corinthian church sinned. They imposed, the Corinthian church that is, they imposed some type of church discipline. It seems that this man that committed some sin and church discipline was imposed. It seems that uh, the, the scriptures seem to strongly imply that this man is, he is sorrowful. He has repented and he is ready to be received back into the fellowship. But there are some in the church who don't want to bring them back in. They want to continue to hold against them what he did way back when. And Paul is saying, hold on, wait a minute. Now you've given them punishment. That ought to be the end of it. What I need you to do is reaffirm your love for this brother. Otherwise, he might experience excessive sorrow. Wait a minute. He the one who did wrong, but now Paul worried about him experiencing too much sorrow, excessive sorrow. Paul says, reaffirm your love. Forgive him, because if I've forgiven him, which I have, I did it in the presence of Christ, and I did it in front of you as well, so that the, so that the devil don't trick us into this foolishness. Satan has a way of making us think that that person don't deserve to be forgiven. Well, you don't either. 
We all stand forgiven before Christ. And let's be for real. Reconciliation doesn't always, it doesn't always look the same. But what forgiveness is, is acknowledging that it was wrong. You call it wrong because it was wrong. But rather than hold a debt against them, you absorb the debt yourself. That's not easy to do. It's unnatural. That's why the Bible tells us. That's why the Lord tells us to do it. Reaffirm your love. Because if you don't reaffirm your love, the devil will get all up in this relationship. And next thing you know, the whole church is tore up over something stupid. And next thing you know, you're fighting with somebody in your, in your family, in your church. Been fighting for decades and don't even remember what it started from. Watch your relationships. Pray for strength to the Lord. Remember that your enemy, it ain't your husband, it ain't your wife, it ain't the children. The children that you had, by the way. Or adopted. They ain't adopt themselves. You wouldn't got them. Or somebody dropped them off at your house and you ain't take them back. Whatever the case may be. They ain't the enemy. Nobody in this church is the enemy. Your devil, uh, the devil rather, he is the enemy and you are at war. Amen and amen. God's word for God's people. Dearest, in the invitation, if there's someone here who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, I really want to encourage you not to leave the same way you came. And the reason I don't want you to lay the same way you came is because I'm fighting from a position of victory. Listen, I want, to, I want you to get the victory too. And, and listen, I think I can fight pretty good, but I ain't getting the victory because I'm a good fighter. Matter of fact, in this particular instance, I'm not a good fighter. I need to be strong in the Lord. If you want to get the same battle, if you want to experience the same victory that I've experienced, you need to put your hand in God's hands. Trust in the Lord for the forgiveness of sin, for salvation, because all of us need a Savior, and Jesus is the only one who can save you. If you're that person who have not put your trust Put your hope in the Lord Jesus. Trust in him for everything. I encourage you to do that today. And for those of us who are, I encourage you to this day be more dedicated to realizing that you are at war. Get ready and stay ready. The doors of the church are open. Yeah, yeah, yeah.